Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome once again to the show called The Steeler Retro Show on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. Joining me as always on this great adventure in the black and gold DeLorean, it's Tony Defio. Tony, what is up, my friend? Hey, good to be with you, Brian. Just super excited about going back in time and, and talking about some classic Steeler games again. Well, with it being Super Bowl week, it's time to look at another Pittsburgh Steelers Super Bowl. We could look at any of the eight of them, but it's time once again to look at one of those special, special great days in Pittsburgh Steelers history. And we are going to go back in time to a moment when Kelly Clarkson was number one on the radio with My Life Would Suck Without You. Taken was the number one movie with Liam Neeson at the box office, knocking off Paul Blart Mall Cop and a woman's name that I cannot really, I'm not even going to try, Tony, to try to pronounce her name, but a woman in Iceland was elected prime minister and she became the first openly gay head of government in the modern world. Meanwhile, the Pittsburgh Steelers were on their way to Tampa Bay to take on the Arizona Cardinals, looking for the Steelers' sixth championship, and it would be a record should they capture that Lombardi trophy. It was Mike Tomlin's first Super Bowl as a head coach. Remember, he had one before as a defensive backs coach for Tampa Bay, and that's something very important to this game. Something that happened in that game a few years earlier became paramount in the game we're going to talk about. Tony, we're talking about none other than the great Super Bowl 43, Tony. Oh, I know a lot of these games are, are many years ago, but this one's 12 years ago. It feels like it it happened yesterday. I, I I can't believe it's been 12 years. Well, it's the last Super Bowl championship for the Steelers. 
they did get an opportunity to play two years later again against the Green Bay Packers. That one didn't go as well. I can't wait to talk about it. So let's get right into it. The Steelers were the number two seed in the AFC. The Arizona Cardinals were the number four seed. They took a harder road to get there. They had to play three games where the Steelers only played two. And the Arizona Cardinals were coached by some familiar faces. Ken Wisenhunt, also Russ Grimm, Tony. They were on the coaching staff for Super Bowl 40. It was believed that both of those guys would have a great shot to be the head coach when Bill Cowher retired. Instead, they went with Mike Tomlin. Those two went on to coach in Arizona and they had an offensive coordinator on that team that would later be the offensive coordinator in Pittsburgh by the name of Todd Haley. But Todd Haley was very familiar with the Steelers because his father, Dick Haley, was an executive with the team in personnel for a long, long time. So lots of ties going back and forth with these two teams, Tony. Yeah, they, they call it Pittsburgh West for a reason, the Arizona Cardinals. It's amazing. Uh, Ken Wisenhunt, like you said, he was in the driver's seat. It, it would appear to be the uh, to take Bill Cowher's place. They wanted to continue their search. And, and then it was Russ Grimm, who was uh, believed to be the, actually, it was reported that he was the guy and one in the newspapers, but they went with Mike Tomlin and, and obviously they made a great choice. They indeed did. And I got to tell you, this was a game that featured one of the top defenses in the league and the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Arizona Cardinals had a very good defense of their own, led by players such as Darnell Dockett, who we will hear a lot from in this game. Lots of great players on this team. Adrian Wilson was there as well. They had a very good offense led by Kurt Warner. This was his third Super Bowl, Tony. And Larry Fitzgerald, Steve Breston, and Anquan Bolden, they all had 1,000-yard receiving years. On the running side, they weren't as good. They were 32nd ranked, but that did not take away from their overall offensive rank where they ranked fourth. This was going to be a fantastic matchup. So, Tony, Arizona won the coin toss, but they chose to defer until the second half. So, Gary Russell, the big man, an undrafted free agent out of Minnesota, was back there to receive the kick from Neil Rackers, who made the tackle on the Steelers' return man at the 28-yard line. There was a lot of worry surrounding the Steelers' offense during the build-up to the Super Bowl because Heinz Ward was injured coming into this game, Tony. Yeah, he suffered a, a sprained ACL in, in the AFC Championship game against the, the Ravens a couple weeks earlier. A lot of people said that was the most physical game ever, at least in the modern era of football, and and. And Heinz Ward was one of the casualties, but you know he's, he was Heinz Ward and he was, he was going to play in this game and, and, and he did. It wasn't really known how the Super Bowl 40 MVP would be used in this game. Some people thought he would be used as a decoy, but Ward hauled in a 38-yard pass from a bootlegging Ben Roethlisberger on the team's second play from scrimmage to set the Steelers up with a first down in Cardinals territory at the 31. Behind the rushing of Willie Parker for 10 yards and a catch by Heath Miller for another 21, the Steelers were already on the doorstep at the Arizona one-yard line. However, Gary Russell was stuffed for a four-yard loss on first down. Then after Willie Parker got the Steelers back to the one, number seven did his bootleg thing again on third down, and it appeared that he had gotten in for the score. But Wisenhunt threw the challenge flag, kind of thought that Ben didn't make it in, just like some people thought he didn't make it in in Super Bowl 40. So Ben's knee was deemed down, and the touchdown was overturned. 
So Jeff Reed comes in for an 18-yard chip shot. It's 3-0 with 9.45 left in the first. Tony, were you suffering from deja vu when Ben did not make it in? But after many years and many replays, I, I finally admit that his knee was down. And, and leave it to Ben, he, there's always an air of mystery around his uh, quarterback keepers in the Super Bowl. And this one, this one <laughs> went the other way, unfortunately. Yeah, I laugh because that is so very true. Later on, after watching it and watching it this week once again, yeah, there was no way that he was in. It was a good overturn. It just didn't seem so at the time, but, you know, that's okay. The Steelers did trust their defense. That is why they went ahead and took the sure three points. Arizona started their first series of the game, and their last-ranked running attack, which we talked about earlier, they could not get things going at all. After only a passing first down to Steve Breston, the Cardinals endured a holding penalty and a couple of incompletions that forced them to punt. On the very next play of their second series, Santonio Holmes got into the action early, taking a short pass from Ben for 25 yards down the left sideline. Ben went for it all on the next play and had Nate Washington all alone in the end zone, but Dominique Rogers Cromartie recovered in just enough time to knock the pass away. It looked like they could have went a big time there, 10 nothing just like that, because that was a beautiful pass to Nate Washington. Yeah, that was one of the, that was one of their signature deep plays during the uh, 2008 season hitting Nate Washington usually right down the middle just like that play unfolded but but Rogers Camardi was a a great one for his day and he and, and he uh, made up a lot of ground I think like about 5 yards on the play and, and and he knocked it away right at the last second so it was a good play by him. The Steelers did get back on track on 3rd and 10 after Ben scrambling and spinning all over the field. He found Heath Miller for 11 yards to move the chains. That was another signature Ben play. Crazy play, and Ben made the completion. Vintage Ben, Tony. Yeah, if you were going to sum up, uh, if you're going to use one play to sum up Ben Roethlisberger's career and what made him so special, you, you would use that play, I think. That, that was like uh, the, the bus running over uh, Brian Erlocker. That was uh, left, right, left, and then and, and he finds the open man. It was, it was, uh, it was, it was simply amazing. After passes to Holmes, Ward, and Miller, and great runs by Willie Parker, fast Willie Parker, the Steelers got to a second and goal situation, and then the quarter ended. On the second play of the second quarter on the one-yard line, the Steelers said, hey, Gary Russell, we're going to give you another chance. The big man from Minnesota went between Willie Colon and Darnell Stapleton for a one-yard plunge. With 14.01 left in the half, the Steelers led 10-0, after Jeff Reed kicked a true conversion. Tony, you're feeling good at this point. You're in the second quarter, although it's early, but the Steelers are up 10 nothing. Yeah, I, I, I was feeling like it was going to be a blowout by this point. Uh, I was, I, again, I was watching with my family and my brother-in-law was sitting next to me at the time and, and he wasn't, he's not a very big Steeler fan. He doesn't really like the Steelers for whatever reason. And I remember giving him like a little side hug saying, yeah, we're going to blow him out. So it was, I was feeling pretty good at this, at this point. I was feeling the same way, actually. In fact, I uh, sat back in my chair and relaxed a little bit. And, you know, that's one of the things that you really can't do. But I get it because we're fans and we're, we know this team and we're feeling the same way. But Kurt Warner was one of those guys that uh, he was not going to go down easy. He came out again, desperate to get his team started from their own 17. With three 1,000-yard receivers, like I said before, at his disposal, Warner went to running back Edrin James on three straight completions. After getting into Steelers territory with two passes to the Western PA native Steve Breston, Warner finally hooked up with one of the great ones, Anquan Bolden, 
on a 45-yard pass play to get down to the Steelers' one-yard line. From there, despite getting tangled up with his center's foot, Warner lofted a pass to tight end Ben Patrick for the touchdown over Larry Foote. With 5.27 left before halftime, Todd Haley's Cardinals offense was on the board and only down 10 to 7. This was just like that. They're only down three, and you saw how they could strike quick. Were you starting to get that little twitch thinking, oh my gosh, it's Kurt Warner. They could do something here. Yeah, Kurt Warner was magic in, in the playoffs in the Super Bowl. He, he always had a, a way of keeping his team in it in the one year winning it. And it was a great, great pass by him. As you said, he had his foot stepped on. It was a problem for him in, in the, in the uh, postseason that year with his center. And it was actually a great play by Larry Foote. He had great coverage, but it was just a perfect pass and, and a great catch by Ben Patrick. And just like that, the underdog Cardinals are within three points. The coverage on a couple of these touchdowns was absolutely fantastic by the Steelers, but great athletic plays by the receivers. And I got to tell you, that's made a big difference in this game. The Steelers did come back out, but they didn't answer the score despite a completion to Kerry Davis and a first down by Willie Parker. A hold by Chris Kimioiatu held them back and Mitch Berger came out to punt. Breston fielded the 43-yard punt and returned 34 yards to set the Cardinals up in great field position at the Steelers' 43. But a penalty on James, that's Edron James, for a chop block and a Lamar Woodley sack of Warner brought out the punt team for the Arizona Cards. With 2.46 left before Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band would take the stage and rock the house, the Steelers had a great opportunity to put some points on the board. After a Mowelty Moore run of six yards, Ben threw the ball over the middle to Santonio Holmes, but the ball was tipped at the line of scrimmage by Brian Robinson, and Carlos Dansby stepped in front of Tone at the 33 and picked off the ball. Roethlisberger had nine balls tipped at the line in 2008, and this one proved that it could have been costly. Tony, this was a problem back then. It's a problem now. But the year before, Ben only had three tipped at the line of scrimmage. Was this something that was starting to become a concern for Ben Roethlisberger at the time? Um, yeah, I, I remember it was it was a big deal at, at, in 2008. And that was a year just like 2020 where they had a lot of problems with the offensive line. So maybe that's one of the pro- uh, reasons why he was having such, such a problem with a lot of his passes getting tipped because, you know, he's six foot five. It, should, it shouldn't be an issue, but it was for him that year. And, and it really set the uh, Cardinals up in great field position right before the half. Yes, it did. And we are going to talk about that great field position right after this when we come back on the Steelers Retro Show. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome back to the Steelers Retro Show. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. Alongside me, as always, is my partner in crime and my partner in going back in time, Tony Defio. We are right at the two-minute warning in Super Bowl 43 between the Steelers and the Cardinals. It was an epic matchup. It's 10-7. to 7. 
The Cardinals have the ball back after an interception at the Pittsburgh 34 yard line. They're only down 10 to seven. They have a chance to go ahead and take the lead before halftime. This is a pretty big deal. Tony after Tim Hightower moved the chains with a third down catch, Larry Fitzgerald finally made his first catch of the Super Bowl. He got open to take the ball down to the 12 with less than a minute to play. Two straight completions to Bolden got the Cardinals to the Steelers' one-yard line, and with 18 seconds left before the half, a chance to take a lead and get the ball back with momentum in the third quarter, the Cardinals were in business. But there's always those seminal moments, Tony, in big games that flip the script, and this was one of them. The Steelers showed blitz, and Woodley and Lawrence Timmons went on the attack. But James Harrison, noticing that he had been a step off all game in getting to Warner, exercised that freedom that Dick LeBeau always gave him, and he decided to fake the blitz and then drop back into coverage instead. Had he not, Tony, Bolden would have easily had a touchdown reception and the Redbirds most likely a four-point lead. But Debo put himself in perfect position to intercept the football at the goal line. From there, the race was on, Tony. I'll let you take it from here. It was great instincts by James Harrison, who was the defensive player of the year in 2008. And he, he stepped in the passing lane, intercepted it. The Shea Townsend defensive back was trying to get the ball away from him, but he said, no, get away from me. You kind of slapped him people. away. Yeah, go block people. You know, usually when you're a linebacker like James Harrison, who wasn't a great, really a great athlete and certainly not fast, uh, you should flip it to a defensive back because they're the fastest guys on the defense. But nope, he's James Harrison. He's rebellious. He's he just he took off downfield and and he had a convoy of blockers in front of him and, and they made a lot of great blocks on this play. <laughs> he somehow some way took a 100 yards and uh, he was he was almost caught by Breston and uh, Larry Fitzgerald who made a great effort on the play. Just instead of it being 14-10 at 17-7 at halftime, it was a 14-point swing. It was magnificent. Some people say it's the greatest play in NFL history. And this was a product of great coaching. Now, John Madden and Al Michaels in the booth gave Dick LeBeau credit for going ahead and telling James Harrison to not blitz and move back. But that's not what happened. Harrison ignored the call. He was supposed to blitz on this play. But what is really great coaching in this instant comes from Mike Tomlin. Yes. So on the Friday before the Super Bowl, Mike Tomlin noticed that the Steelers had picked off about six or seven passes in practice on that day. But what happened, they were lackadaisical returning the ball. They weren't doing much after they caught the ball. And so he put them all together in a package and let them see them on Saturday and said, hey, guys, we've got to work on this. We've got to change this. When I was a defensive backs coach, in the Super Bowl against the Oakland Raiders for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, we returned three balls for touchdowns. We scored 21 points on turnovers. And we've got to do something if we get that opportunity to pick off the ball. And so they started working on it and they got aggressive. And they were never more aggressive than what we saw on that play. And you could tell that they were coached up on that because everybody came to block. And one thing that James Harrison knew on this play that the clock would run out if he did not get into the end zone and they would have nothing from that score. They wouldn't even have a field goal. And he, with all his might, he got there. He laid on the turf for a long time. They did look at this up in the booth. They deemed that his knee was on top of Fitzgerald when he went into the end zone. So it was a true touchdown. Even John Madden said, if you run that far, you deserve a touchdown regardless, Tony. Absolutely. It was, it was a tremendous effort by Harrison, just an absolutely tremendous effort by him. 
somebody again who had no business running 100 yards and he was able to do that and and i you know i know your story about mike tomlin i saw that on 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 the uh, nfl i think it was america's game episode and it gives you it gives me chills now watching it again and watching those guys blocking for harrison because that's people always say what does mike tomlin do what what, what, what does he do to make a difference? Well, there's an, a perfect example right there. He coached them up and, and he reminded them that you might need one, two, maybe three of these kind of plays in the Super Bowl, so you better be ready. And it was just a tremendous, tremendous team effort and a tremendous individual effort. And as you said, a tremendous coaching effort. A 14-point swing, Tony, going into halftime. It's now 17-7. to 7. That game should have been 14-10. to 10, And we know where this game ended up. This was one of the greatest plays in history. It's even counted as the number two interception of all time. I think it's even bigger, but it is hard to argue when the Butler did it. Malcolm Butler had that interception to seal the Super Bowl for New England over Seattle. So I get that. They're two huge plays. I don't care where they rank. As a Steeler fan, this ranks way up there for me. But you know what? As great as this play was, more amazing things were going to happen on both sides of the ball. After the break, Ken Wisenhunt's team would come back out looking to erase the 10-point deficit, and it looked like they could with two quick first downs, courtesy of Edron James on the ground and Bolden through the air. But the Steelers' defense clamped down. On third down and six, James Ferrier burst through for what looked like a strip sack of Warner and a recovery by Harrison at midfield. Arizona would get lucky, though, as they threw out the challenge flag. It was a good overturn once again, Tony. Yeah, it was. It was close. And, and, and it was a, a second grade challenge by Wisenhunt. Back in those days, both uh, scoring plays and turnovers had to be challenged by coaches. Today, they're automatic reviews. But it, it, was, a, it was a heads up challenge by him. He had to do it. He's down by 10 points at, at this point. He can't give Pittsburgh the ball there. So it was a great challenge. And as you said, it was close. And, and, and the officials made the right decision. Steelers would get the ball back on their own 18 and embark on a drive that would gash eight minutes and 34 seconds of precious time off the clock, but they only got three out of it and the lead though, a 20 to seven lead with two sixteen left in quarter. Number three, the two teams would exchange punts on each of their next series. Now in the final quarter of play, the Steelers and the Cardinals would start to really make it interesting. Starting out at his own 13, Warner would forego the huddle and the running game and go solely to the air. Number 13 completed passes to Jeremy Urban, J.J. Arrington, Hightower, and Breston. But this was the drive that his connection with Fitzgerald became crystal clear. Larry Fitz caught four balls for 31 yards, with the last being for a score from one yard out, despite great coverage by Ike Taylor on the play. With 741 left in the entire game, the Cardinals were only down by six by the score of 20 to 14. The Steelers would get the ball back and an opportunity to put the game on ice, but Darnell Dockett would sack Roethlisberger on second down to force a third and 16. It was Dockett's third sack of the ball game, Tony. He was absolutely dominant in this game, my man. He certainly was. And as you said, the Cardinals had a great offense that year. But they also had a pretty good defense, and Darnell Dockett, uh, Ben was probably seeing him in his sleep later that night. He was, he was just in his face the whole game. 
After a pass to Miller that got 10 yards back, Berger came on to punt again, and it looked like the Cardinals would take immediate advantage when Warner would complete an 11-yard throw to Breston, a 23-yard toss to Bolden, and Ike would get nailed for 15 yards on an unnecessary roughness call for a blow to Breston. The cards were at midfield, but three straight incompletions and two near interceptions, one by Tyrone Carter and another by Troy Polamalu, had forced a punt, and the Steelers had an opportunity to run out the clock and secure their sixth Lombardi with 3.34 to go until confetti time. However, Ben Graham's punt was down by Michael Adams at the one-yard line. To make matters worse, the Steelers were backed up with a half-the-distance penalty after James Harrison threw some punches at Aaron Francisco. It was flagrant enough that John Madden was calling for his ejection. And I got to tell you, to be perfectly honest, I looked at that and I kind of thought Debo should have been thrown out too. Yeah, I don't know what he was thinking there. That was uh, that was pretty uh, crazy, to, the way he was punching and, and pushing that guy when he was basically on the ground and, and out of the play. And, you know, it, it was only a half a yard because the punt was down at the one, as you said. But if, uh, if, if that was for bigger yardage, <laughs> James Harrison would have would have been a, a prime candidate for go to this game instead of hero. It was, uh, it was, it was mind boggling for him to be reacting that way at that point in the game. Yeah. But that half a yard made a lot of difference and we're going to find out why, because with the Steelers in a dangerous spot, Roethlisberger threw it incomplete to ward on first down on second down disaster nearly struck when Willie Parker took a handoff and barely got out of the end zone. I, I thought it was a safety, but it was not a safety. He had gotten the ball completely out. But that's where that half a yard kind of comes into play. But said disaster, Tony, would strike in an unconventional way a play later when Roethlisberger's 21-yard completion to Santonio Holmes looked like it had iced the game for the Steelers, but it was called back, completely nullified when center Justin Hartwig was flagged for holding in the end zone. That means it's a safety. The Cardinals were awarded two points and the ball on a free kick. With 3.04 left, the Cardinals were only down four by the score of 20 to 14. But worse, they had the ball back. Tony, I'm sitting here going, I look at my buddy. I'm like, they're going to lose. They are going to lose this game because of Hartwig. Yeah, yeah, that was, uh, that, and that was an obvious takedown. It, it, it wasn't like it was a, it was a, uh, uh, a ticky-tack holding call. It, it was a, it was a, he took him to the ground. And, and as you said, Everybody, all, the Steelers were celebrating after this after this uh, this pickup by Holmes and Ben celebrated Holmes. Everybody celebrated because, as you said, it pretty much would have iced the game right there. And instead, the Cardinals are only down by four and they have the ball back with with what three minutes to go. It, it was uh, really tense in, in, in where I was watching the game at that point. And starting out at their own thirty six, Warner threw incomplete to Bolden when Deshae Townsend hit number eighty one to jar it loose. But on the next play. Warner went back to pass, completed a perfect 10-yard or so pass over the middle to Fitzgerald. And this is where disaster struck again for the Steelers. Larry found a seam between James Harrison and Ike Taylor, and he was off to the races with Palomalu and Ryan Clark in pursuit. There's now 2.37 left to play, and all of a sudden, the Cardinals led 23-20 to in what was coming close to shaping up to be the biggest comeback in Super Bowl history after being down by 13 points. Now that now they're losing by three points with a little over two minutes to go. It was, uh, wasn't how I expected this game to go. So here they go. 
There's 237 left from their own 22. The Steelers come out throwing, but they're hit with a penalty right away because Chris Kimioyatu, he got nailed for holding and another 10 yards. So instead of starting out at the 22, they're now at the 12-yard line for 88 yards left for the win. Ben came back out throwing with a dart to Santonio to get to the 26. He then went deep to Nate Washington, but Francisco knocked it away. After the two-minute warning hit, a 13-yarder to Holmes moved the chains on third down. An 11-yarder to Nate and a four-yard run by Ben got the Steelers to the Arizona 46, and the Steelers called their second timeout with 102 remaining. Offensive coordinator Bruce Arians and the Steelers must have worked some kind of special magic during that timeout because when they came back, it happened, Tony. Ben hit Tone for a pass play of 40 yards down to the six-yard line. The place was going crazy, and the Steelers called their last timeout. I'm thinking they need to go for the win. They need to go for the kill shot. They can't have a field goal. That's what I was thinking, too. I, I knew the field goal was in their back pocket, and at worst it would be overtime, but I, I did not want to see overtime at this point. I wanted them to, to end it right there and, and go in and, and for, the, for the game-winning touchdown. And what a, what a postseason San Antonio Holmes had. I mean, punt returns. He had the, the great touchdown to clinch the division late in the year and in and, and this game. And, and this is like the penultimate great play for him in, in the uh, postseason. This was a great effort by him. The, the defensive back fell down. It was covering him after he caught the ball. But it was mostly, mostly because Holmes made him fall down. He put a move on and, and – it was just a great play by him and, and, and one of the most clutch runs I've ever seen by any Steeler ever. It was a thing of beauty because you got to remember, 40 yards may just turned this game completely. They're now down at the six. Instead of trying to chip away with the clock running, now they had more time to make their play and make it right. So they did want to end it with 49 seconds left. Ben went for that kill shot that I mentioned before in the left corner of the end zone. It went right through Santonio's mitts. But with 42 seconds left to go, it happened again. Ben went back to number 10, this time in the opposite quarter of the end zone. It was the right end zone. In front of three red-clad defenders, Holmes made a perfect, remarkable grab. He got both feet in with control for the score. Of course, the play was going to be reviewed. But everybody knew it. The Steelers were 35 seconds away from victory with a 27-23 lead after Jeff Reed kicked the point after. The crowd was going bonkers. The terrible towels were flying high. Tony, what was happening with you during that moment? I was jumping up, doing a lot of jumping up and down. And, and uh, so was the rest of my family. It, it, was, it was great. It was, it was pandemonium in my uh, uncle's house. There, there were probably about 10 people there and we were all just going nuts. It was one of my favorite nights ever in, in my life. I got to tell you, we're hugging, we're we're dancing around, and there's only Steeler fans in my basement at that time. There's probably about 10 to 12 of us. And I remember my wife was expecting my, uh, my youngest, and I remember grabbing her, but just try not to grab her too hard because <laughs> I, I, I wanted to be careful because she was expecting, but it was just a wonderful moment. We were crying with joy, but the one thing, we knew that the Cardinals proved in this game that they could score so quick, so no one could really rest easy because there was so much time on the clock. So Warner comes out of his own 23. He throws a 20-yard strike to Fitzgerald. 
and a 13-yard pass to Arrington. So they go ahead and spend their last time out. Warner lines his team up with 15 ticks left on the clock at the Steeler 43-yard line. But the Steelers' defense said enough is enough. They ended it there. When Lamar Woodley finally got another sack of Warner, the ball popped loose. Brett Kiesel, the beard, fell on the ball to seal the victory. The Steelers were the first team in Super Bowl history to ever win six Lombardi trophies. I was going nuts. Santonio Holmes was the MVP of the game. People were crying. People were loving it. It was a beautiful thing, Tony. Do you remember the elation that you felt at that very moment when it was over and the Steelers were champions again? Oh, I certainly do. I remember the one thing I remember more than anything was they, they set off fireworks in, in, in the city of Pittsburgh that night. And it was, it, it's, I've never seen anything like that before after a championship was clinched. They, they set off fireworks for like 10 minutes. It was like the 4th of July. It was great. But that play by Woodley, that, that gets, I think it gets overlooked a lot by people. People talk about the, you know, obviously Harrison's play and rightfully so and Santonio Holmes and Ben and all those plays, but uh, they're at midfield right there. And, and, and I have a, I own a Super Bowl book that chronicles actually the first 43 Super Bowls, I guess, it came out right after Super Bowl 43, and Troy Polamalu said that he was extremely terrified of a jump ball situation in the end zone because of Larry Fitzgerald, and he didn't think that they'd be able to stop him. Oh, you know how Troy is, he's pretty humble, but uh, he was pretty uh, petrified of a, of a jump ball there, so for, for Woodley to end it there with that strip sack of Warner was huge. I think it, he, get, he deserves a lot more credit, not only for his postseason play, because he had so many sacks in the postseason uh, when he was here, but for that play alone, it was, it was super clutch. A game that had so many amazing moments on, like I said, both sides of the ball. You look at what Fitzgerald did in this game. Oh my gosh, it was absolutely amazing. Warner was very good in this game. And those are two guys that if they weren't playing the Steelers, there would be no way I wouldn't be rooting for them. They are so rootable. They're great guys. They're great football players. Two of my favorite players to never play for the Steelers. And I got to tell you, I would have rooted for them anytime, but not on that day. But I got to tell you, what a great victory. Mike Tomlin got his first, becoming the third Steeler head coach in team history to win a Super Bowl. But that could be the start of a Hall of Fame career as well. And that remains to be seen, Tony. Absolutely. Uh, Mike Tomlin, Kurt Warner, Fitzgerald, Palomalu, Big Ben, uh, a lot of a lot of future Hall of Famers in this game. It was it was a star-studded affair, more than people realize, because the Cardinals were such underdogs. But it was it was a uh, it was really a great matchup. If you if you go back and and look at the Cardinals that, that roster, they were probably better than people realize now. Yes, they were. So it was great to talk to you about this game, Tony. And uh, we're going to go ahead and sign off here. Thank you so much, Tonster. Oh, thank you. It, it was great. I could I could talk about this game all day. It was. Uh, it was fantastic. It was it was maybe the greatest Super Bowl they've ever had, even better than Super Bowl 13, if you can believe that. It was such a such a fun game. Well, that's a bold statement, Tony. So for Tony Deppio, my name is Brian Anthony Davis. Remember, you can take us away. We don't mind, but you better promise us that we'll be back in time. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. 
Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.